hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Hey, how y'all doing? Good morning to y'all. Yeah, just, you know, kind of come down here to finish up on my whittling, you know, trying to, trying to just get started on it. But I got this one finished. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's good for passing time, kind of. Kind of gets things out of the way sometimes. It's, uh, you know, I carve lots of different things. I really do, but I keep coming back to this. I keep coming back to an angel. You know, I don't know really why, I guess. I carved probably, I don't know, a dozen of these things. The first one I ever carved, the first one I gave to my son, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's an angel. It it looks, you know, I'd say almost exactly like the angel I saw. Yeah, I saw one one time. I never told you about that story. Well, you know, it it happened a long time ago, but um. Uh, you see, when Jesus was born, well, it was kind of a strange time. I mean, you know, I, mean, I didn't really know what was going on. There were lots of different questions and things. I mean, you know, when a kid's born, you have questions and, you know, and I, you know. But you know what? What was on my mind what my major question was, and it's kind of crazy, but the main question was, who's he going to look like? I mean, you think about it, who is he going to look like? I mean, that's a strange thing to be worried. All the things you got to worry about and all the terrible things that could happen, and the one thing that kept coming up on my mind was, who is he going to look like? Because you see it, he wasn't mine. Yeah, the angel out, okay. Well, see, the angel, that, that goes back even farther. Because, see, when I found out, when I found out that Mary was pregnant, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of tough, you know? I mean, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. What, what was I supposed to do? I mean, I, I didn't want to embarrass Mary, but this wasn't my baby. I mean, what was I supposed to do? And then one night I had a dream. And in this dream, an angel, yeah, that angel, that angel came to me. And that angel told me what I was supposed to do. 
That angel said, hey, don't be worried about Mary. Don't worry about her. Because you see, I was supposed to marry her. And the angel said, don't worry about the baby. This baby's going to be all right. He said, don't worry about this baby because this baby is God's baby. It's God's baby. You know, in our culture, we have a custom that when a, when a child is born, the father takes the child and lays him across his knees. It's a, it's a symbolic gesture. It, uh, it simply means that we accept this child and this child is our legal descendant. Well, slowly, my heart began to accept the idea of this child, that this child was special. The idea that this child was really kind of just on loan to us. It was hard to accept. And I just began to make room for him. And then, on the day Jesus was born, they, they handed him to me. And I held him up, and I gave him a name, and I laid him across my knees, and I declared to the world that this is my child. This is my baby. Through the years, there's been some, you know, strange things. You know, it's kind of hard to fit it all together. It's kind of hard to, to understand the mystery of it all. But he's grown. He's a full-grown man. He works with me in the shop. Yeah. He goes to the temple every day. He studies there. He teaches there. My son teaches in the temple. You know, every time I see one of these, I think back what that angel said to me. That angel said, he shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. And you know, that's enough for me. I mean, that's all I ever really needed. That he was God with us. You know, and that kind of leads me back to my original question. You know, if you can think back that far. Remember that the first question I had 
was, who's he going to look like? Well, I don't know about you, but to me, he looks just like God. Dear God, we come to you, and we give you thanks. We thank you for uh, this, this time, this, this season of Advent. And we're thankful for the season because news of, of the Christ child coming should take more than just a day to tell. We prepare our hearts. We prepare our minds. We prepare to receive what you have given us. So, Lord, during this time, we ask that you let the prayers let, 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 the, let our hearts and our minds prepare to receive your word today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, on uh, May 29th, I uh, got a Facebook request from a couple of college friends of mine, Brad and Sally. Uh, they were getting ready to adopt a, a, a baby girl, a, a two-year-old uh, from China. And they, they started this uh, a Facebook page just to keep friends updated about what was going on during the whole process. So we saw uh, Brad and Sally load up on an airplane at DFW, fly to Beijing, and over the next few days, we got to see them be introduced to a little Lottie. And also, we got to celebrate that day on, on June the 6th the day that Lottie officially became a part of their family. <clears throat> I reached out to Brad here recently, and I said, so Brad, tell, tell me exactly, what, what was it that you were feeling that moment that you heard that Lottie was going to be officially your daughter? And Brad said this. He said, we were nervous we were scared, anxious, all at once. We knew she was ours from God, but we didn't know how quickly she would bond with us and how long the grieving process would last for her. But once we saw her, it was like she had always been our child. God, that was just so beautiful. And when I think about Joseph, when I think about all that we've talked about over the past few weeks, I, I just have a feeling that that's probably what Joseph felt. You know, we, we kind of heard a little bit whenever Joseph laid the baby Jesus on his lap. You know, he knew that this child was his. Joseph is the last character that we're going to talk about in our sermon series of, of what child is this. You know, we talked about the shepherds. We talked about how, how they were you know, the average, ordinary, probably even more unaverage, unordinary people that were called to the manger for the very first time. And, and they were the ones who went out and proclaimed the birth of the Christ child. Then we talked about the wise men. And how these, these travelers from the East, the, these non-Jewish wise people, if you will, they came to, to signify that you know, the birth of the Christ child isn't just for the Jewish people, but the birth of the Christ child was for the entire world. 
Last week, we heard from Mary. And we know that Mary is called the favored one because of all that she got to see and hear. How she had the opportunity to, to, to birth this child, but to see how he grew and see how his ministry impacted the world. And now we come to Joseph. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 as we read his story from verses 18 through 21. And hear the word of the Lord. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. And as he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, it's, it's interesting to me that in, in a very patriarchal society, that the father of Jesus is barely mentioned in our text. You know, if, if we look, there, there's just a handful of passages, maybe not even a handful of passages, that, that mention Joseph or has his, his story told. Matter of fact, he doesn't even have a line in Scripture. He doesn't say a word. We, we just hear about his reaction. We hear about those things that we do. And, and that's bled over even into the songs we sing at Christmas time. The early service, uh, the praise team, they sang Joseph's, Joseph's Lullaby, which is a, a modern praise song that was uh, performed by, uh, released by Mercy Me. But if you look throughout the hymnal, you will see maybe, maybe just one or two mentions of Joseph, if that. You know, there's songs about donkeys, there's songs about cows, there's, there's all of these other things that are out there, but no, we don't hear anything really about Joseph. I think the important reason for that is because Joseph isn't the main part of the story. He, he plays a, a very important role. But the story is about Jesus. The story is about his lineage, about how he connects us to God. You know, and it, it's, it's an embarrassing story for Joseph, really. I mean, if you understand what, what Joseph is coming to, finding out that his fiancée is already pregnant before they get married. But one thing that we hear in the story is about how, how Joseph was full of integrity and how he was a God-fearing man. See, this pregnancy wasn't his fault. And even in that time, the pregnancy really barely fell upon the man who was a part of that act. See, the act fell upon the woman. 
So there were two ways that that could be handled. Number one was that that woman could be sent away to her parents' house and, and be put away so she could never get married again. Or she could be dragged out to the city square and be stoned while a bunch of people quoted scripture over her. So that was the way to take care of those little problems that they had to deal with. But Joseph did something different. Joseph had the word come to him that everything was going to be all right and to take Jesus as his own. So even though we see in Scripture that Joseph doesn't have any lines or we, we don't really hear that much about his, his carpentry practice or anything we do know that Jesus became a part of Joseph's family. Early in the Gospel of John, when Jesus starts his teaching ministry, he, he is out and he's uh, sharing his words to the people, and uh, one of his future disciples, Philip, hears what Jesus is saying, and he runs to our friend Nathaniel, and he says, you, you won't believe what I've heard. There's this Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth, who is teaching, and you need to come and hear his words. Later in John chapter 6, Jesus is talking about how he is the bread of life and how he has been sent down from heaven. Those who were listening, they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? See, even though Joseph was not Jesus' father, he adopted him into the family. And Jesus became a part of Joseph's family. And when Jesus became a part of Joseph's family, it gives us an example of how when we take on the name of Christ, we become a part of God's family. So that's what happens in adoption. When someone is adopted into another family, their, their past life is like it's no longer there. That past life, they, they no longer have those names. They, they no longer live in the life that they had before. They have a new family that they are a part of. I keep watching Brad and Sally's adoption page because they post updates about Lottie and how she is getting accustomed to uh, the new surroundings that she lives in now. There was a picture here recently uh, with uh, Lottie standing in front of the Christmas tree at church, a big old giant Christmas tree, and here's this little girl standing there in front of it. And it just, just melts my heart because I look at Lottie and I go, you know what, she is always going to know that she is a Martin. And that this family who went to China to bring her home, this will probably be the only home she'll remember. But what about us? What about us if we, if we have not been a part of a, a Christian home? 
have another friend named Sherry. She uh, grew up in a, uh, a home that, that did not know Christ in, in, in their lives. And Sherry would visit her friend from high school and her mom named Doretha. And Sherry became familiar with the way that the family celebrated holidays. And she asked questions about who Jesus is. And one day, Sherry accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. She went home excited to tell her parents what, what happened. And when word got out and when she told them that she was now a follower of Christ, her family kicked her out of the house because they wanted absolutely nothing to do with that. Sherry was devastated. And the only place she knew where to go was to go back to Doretha's house. And Doretha took her in. And, and she lived with Doretha and her sister, her, her, her daughter. And after she graduated from high school, she looked at Doretha and she said, Doretha, would you adopt me? And Doretha was like, I don't need to adopt you. You're an adult now. You're fine. I said, no, no, I need to have a family. And I need you to be my mom. See, that's what adoption does. Adoption gives us a, a place to call our own. That's what being adopted into the body of Christ means for us. It means that we are no longer Chris, but we are sons and daughters of a living God. See, Scripture, scripture is clear about this new birthright that we have when we are adopted into the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.8 tells us that God says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. Ephesians 1.5 reminds us that God destines us to be his adopted children through Jesus Christ because of his love. This was according to his good will and plan. See, when we are adopted into the body of Christ, we can, we can then take away all of those old things, those things that have weighed us down, those things that have, have kept us from being who God has truly called us to be. And we can live fully in that identity as one in whom Christ dwells and delights. And we know that we can live in God's unshakable kingdom. So what can we do after we accept this adoption? What does this mean for us? First, it means that, that we are safe. We are safe and secure. We have a Father who watches over us. We have a Father who knows our needs, who defeated death and promises to deliver us to him safely. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says it this way. It says, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him 
in glory. See, we were safe and secure because we know that our life is no longer just this random thing that we're living, but our life is in God. And we can take that security with us to know that, that everything we may, we may deal with, all the trouble, all the circumstances, which we'll go through, I'm not saying that because our life is secure in God that we'll no longer have hardships, but we will have a God who will walk with us through those dark and difficult times. Because the second truth that we know is that while we are safe and secure, that we are also known and loved by God. There's a verse that I know that I've shared a couple of times in sermons, and uh, we hear it uh, batted around all the time. And it's one that kind of may lose its edge here and there, but I think there's another reason why it loses its edge is because we don't share the whole verse. It's John three sixteen. Some of you may even have it memorized, but I think it's important that we not only we don't stop at verse 16, but we have to continue on to verse 17. You may remember the words as saying, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Those are comforting words to me, but I think the words that really add what this verse is all about is the next verse, 17. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. See, it's so easy to think about how God sent Jesus into the world so that we may not perish, but we not perish so that we're not condemned, but we're not perished because God has saved us. And God lives in and through us. Finally, we can also live in the fact that we no longer have to be afraid. And we're going to get into that tonight at 7 and 11. So I hope you're able to come back to one of those services to finish out this message. Would you please pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for the love that you have given us through your son. And as we continue in this season of Advent, as we prepare to receive the Christ child this evening, guide us and lead us so that we may fully accept the love that you have for us. Help us to be shining lights of your love and your grace, so that when people look at us, they see you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.